Get ready to jumpstart your scientific career with practical advice on being a successful and contented scientist. Each episode of the Happy Scientist podcast delivers hands-on, actionable steps you can take to ensure you stay happy, focused, and satisfied in the lab. Available on all popular podcast platforms, hit the subscribe button and start your journey towards a more fulfilling scientific career. the Happy Scientist Podcast. Each episode is designed to make you more focused, more productive, and more satisfied in the lab. You can find us online at bitesizebio.com slash happy scientist. Your hosts are Kenneth Vogt, founder of the executive coaching firm Vera Claritas, and Dr. Nick Oswald, PhD, bioscientist, and founder of Bitesize Bio. Hello and welcome to the Happy Scientist podcast from Bite Size Bio. If you want to become a happier, healthier and more productive scientist, you are in the right place. I'm Nick Oswald, the founder of BitesizeBio.com and with me is the driving force of this podcast, Mr. Kenneth Vogt, my friend, mentor and founder of the coaching company Vera Claritas. Today's episode is called, What You Don't Know, You Don't Know. What is that all about, Ken? (laughs) Well... It's a little bit of a brain twister at the beginning, but once once we describe this, I, I think it'll become clear to everyone. And then the real mystery will be, how do you figure out what you don't know you don't know? Because that's where, that's where all of the learning is, and that's where all the creativity comes from, and all the imagination. So it's, it's a really vital area, because you could think, oh, well, that's just impossible, so why bother? As bioscientists, you are dealing in the impossible on a daily basis, so you better get good at this. So we're going to help you today. So we'll start off with the the most obvious thing is what you know. You know what you know. You've you've worked hard, in fact, to gain the knowledge that you have, and especially uh, for many of you with your your advanced degrees, you know. The, the, you put a lot of effort into knowing stuff. So these are things that you're aware of and that you understand because, you know, there's, there is that the dichotomy of knowledge. There are things you might know, but you don't really, don't really get them. But in your case, it's really important that you understand. And you're, you're constantly pushing the envelope on that. There, there, are, there are limits to our current understanding of many things and so you are really striving to understand things that, that have been uncovered and have been discovered, and that's great. And you, you can make a whole career out of just that. Never go beyond that, and there'd be nothing wrong with it. It'd be fine. You know, you'd, you'd, you'd be useful, you would enjoy yourself, but, but it is quite a bit more limited than it is possible for you. So the next area of, of knowledge is the things you know you don't know. So there are things you're aware of, but you're certain you don't understand them. And you know, in, in a more mundane sense, you might be like, look, I'm certain I know how to drive a car, but I am certain that I do not know how to fly a 787. Um, you know, so knowing what you don't know can be quite useful. It'll keep you from getting into trouble. It'll keep you from doing things that are dangerous or, or that you just couldn't succeed at. And 
And there's nothing wrong with that. There, it has not impacted my life one iota that I can't fly a commercial airliner. <laughs> and, but, I've, but I've known all my life I couldn't do it, and it's fine. And it does open up the possibility that now that I know I don't know it, well, I could choose to know it. I could go out and learn that, and I could gain that skill. And it doesn't have to be something that extreme, obviously. It could be little things. And if you think about all of the things, all the skills you've developed over time, they're all things that you learned how to do. And it, it may have started off where you learned how to walk and you learned how to talk, but after a while you learned how to use certain equipment in the laboratory um, you, and you know things that an average person might not know how to do. And some of them might have been simple, but some of them weren't. And uh, uh, you know, Nick and I spent a lot of time with some folks that are expert microscopists. And uh, to my mind, you know, as a as somebody who was outside of the scientific field, I thought, well, every scientist uses a microscope. They must all be experts at it. <laughs> Boy, did I find out. No, not so. It's, a, it's quite a thing to be a true uh, microscopy expert. Well, for most of you who are scientists, you know you're not that. And so what do you do in a situation like that? Well, you go to, to experts when you, need, when you need assistance with that. When you, when you need to really push the envelope on the equipment you're using or the methods that, that, that you're putting into practice, you go to experts to get help. So th this leaves the, the final area of knowledge, what you don't know you don't know. And it's, I can't give you an example for that because the moment I give you an example, well, then it's something you know you don't know. <laughs> and so you got to look at that and think, boy, that's tough. But we all know there that that there are things that we're not aware of. And um, sometimes we know that we're not aware of things, but often we don't know. And So I, and I've, got, I've got an example, Ken. Oh, go ahead. I, 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 I'm an example from the history of biology, um, which I think is, a, is an example of what you're talking about here. Back in the midst of time, last century, when I was an undergrad, we were uh, taught that every, on the genome there were genes and then everything in between the genes was junk DNA. It was dismissed as junk DNA. And that was, there was no question of, it struck me at that point, there was no question of, you know, that being, or the attitude was that there was no question of that actually being anything other than junk. But actually, since then, we've discovered that there's a whole range of functions that we didn't know about, um, that are many of which are very important for for understanding of uh, biology, but also for disease treatment and and things like that. So at that time, we didn't we didn't know that we didn't know that that stuff was important, and um, and in a way, it's, it comes back to that one thing that we talk about quite a lot is uh, humility about realizing that you just because you don't know what something is doesn't mean that that it's nothing if you see what i mean it's you must be open to the fact that it could be something other than what you think it is with the with the information that you have at hand now right and what you don't know you don't know kind of breaks down into two categories and that's kind of the first one that is that is that's something you understand but you're not aware of in other words you knew there were genes, there, there were things in between those genes. 
you knew something was there, but you assumed they didn't they, that they didn't have any value. Well, it, it can't be it can't be that way. We've we've come to come to learn. I mean, I'm I'm speaking as a neophyte here, but I've I've heard stories about this. But it began with you you at least you saw something. But there's other stuff you just plain didn't see. And you got to remember, there was a time not that long ago when we didn't even know there were genes, any genes. And by the way, every one of us who's on this pod, listening to this podcast, every one of you, there was a time when you didn't know about genes. You had to learn that. Somebody had to, had to open your eyes to that as a concept even. And at the beginning, maybe they told you about it and you only had the, the most fuzzy understanding of what that means and kind of like my present understanding of it <laughs> you know i i have a vague idea what a gene is all about but you know not to the extent that any of you do because you've dug in that much deeper and so that that's that's part of what happens here you you, you have to take a look at knowledge and kind of and see where you stand in relation to it so i want to give you a kind of a of a landscape for knowledge, just a, a way to think about this. So there, I'm gonna I'm gonna break it into four groups: what I'll call the known knowns, the unknown knowns, the known unknowns, and the unknown unknowns. So to think about them more clearly, the known knowns is that's just knowledge. That's just the stuff, the stuff that we would typically think of as knowledge, and and more personally, we can think about our knowledge. Now, there would be things that we're aware are known in the world, but we don't know about. Um, so, and that might be part of what's in the unknown unknowns. So, um, so in the case of unknown unknowns, the impact is unknown, but the existence is known. So, think of it as untapped knowledge. And maybe it's knowledge you haven't yet accessed. You know it's there, though, and maybe it's in that, in that paper you know you should be reading, <laughs> or, uh, or it's in a conversation with a more experienced colleague, but there's, a, there's an unknown known out there. Well, then about these things that, like what you're talking about, Nick, that there a moment ago, known unknowns, these are the areas of risks. If we just stuck with that assumption that, oh, that's just junk DNA, how much would have been lost? How, how, much, has, how much have we grown since we wouldn't, wouldn't accept that notion, oh, this is just junk? And more study was put in and, and more effort was made. And then finally, these, these unknown unknowns, these are the unfathomable uncertainties. We, we just, we, that's where all the juice is. This is where discovery comes from. This is where creativity comes from. You know, it's not much of a discovery for you to go to a textbook and learn something you didn't know before. Um, it was a, it was right there in the book, you know, <laughs> and it's not even that much of a discovery. To uh, I don't want to take away from the discovery of things like what this supposed junk DNA is all about, because I mean that's still meaningful. But first, discovering that there was this thing that they labeled junk DNA, that was a huge step forward. And you may think it's a huge first step. You think well. If that's a step forward, all we do is get to a place where we don't know anything. Yes, but it is critical to know what you don't know. Th that, that is where all the opportunity lies. 
So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause there for a second and and uh, let that sink in there, Nick, and see if you have anything more to say about it. <laughs> well, I think that uh, the only thing I'd say is well, the main thing that I would say is that to check the show notes if that is confusing, because we we have uh, that landscape of knowledge um, mapped out on in the show notes, the known knowns, unknown knowns, known unknowns, and unknown knowns. So that's so unknown unknowns, uh, unknown unknowns. Yeah. So if we're looking at discovery, you know, uh, this being, I guess, that the main take home from this is to be aware that that the kind of the world can be divided into that to those four sections really or all of the possible knowledge can be divided into those four sections and and just to be aware of that i guess that would be the first step because then you, you that gives you the humility to say okay uh you know to be aware that there are things that you that you don't know and you don't know you don't know which is uh, which is the first step on the path to investigating them and then t- and uh, uncovering what is actually uh, going on there. Yeah, I've noticed, Nick, that in in quite a few episodes, you've explicitly referenced humility, and it's becoming kind of a theme for the podcast because man, it's such such a critical component to being a successful and happy scientist. Um, it, it's. It, you, you're just not going to get anywhere if you think you know everything. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's the thing is that the, in a way, the less you can assume, the, the, the easier your life is <laughs> in a way because the more open you are and the, and the less you'll path yourself. Yep. The less you uh, assume, the more you will see. Well, that's a, that's a great way to look at it, yeah. Yeah, because we've all done that where because we think something is a certain way, that's all we see. And... And whether that's a, literally about sight or about experiences, you know, we, that we're having with other people or it, it is so easy to cut yourself off from things that you're actually getting input from, but you're blocking the input. You won't hear it. You won't see it. You know, you won't feel it. it and it all comes down to you setting up preconceived notions about how things are. Like what you're hearing? Ready to supercharge your scientific career? Discover practical advice on what it takes to be a successful scientist without sacrificing happiness. Learn the importance of meeting your human needs, identifying and unlocking your charisma factors, discovering your core mindsets, and much more. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack and get started on your journey to becoming a happier scientist today. Subscribe now and check the show notes to download. So, to know what you know is pretty easy. I mean, you know what you know. There isn't even a barrier there. And to know what you don't know, that's also pretty easy. You're very clear on that. Um, and so, the question is, how do you see something when you don't even know it's there? Because that here we are telling you about how important it is to grasp what you don't know you don't know, and you're going, yeah, great, you just told me I can't know it. So how, how am I supposed to know about what I don't know, you know, in, in, that, in that setting? So there's a way to do this. So I'm, 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 gonna give you, I'm gonna give you the tools so that you can become aware of what you don't know you don't know. And I'm gonna start off by telling 
telling a tale about myself. One I'm not proud of. <laughs> and, you know, like many of you, I was a precocious little child, and I was good in school, and I really liked math. And I was good at it. And I couldn't understand why the kids complained about math, about how they hated it and how it was so hard. Because to me, it was just, it was so obvious, and it was so orderly and beautiful, and I just thought that was fantastic. And then I got I got placed into an, uh, an advanced math class, and you know, I was placed in algebra a year earlier than it would have been typical in my school system. And I'm so excited. This is going to be awesome, and I'm going to be great at this. And the teacher starts off, and she starts talking about formulas with letters in them. Not just numbers. And I didn't get it. She gave that first lecture. At the end of that class, I was like a deer in the headlights. I did not understand what this X was. X equals 2. How can X equal 2? It's in the alphabet. You know, <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't get it. And it was, so here it was, this thing that I didn't know, I didn't know. I'd never even heard this concept before. And I, I walked out of that class scared that, oh no, this is, this is the moment where my identity is this, this smart kid who gets math was all over. And I was in a class, you know, with other advanced kids and, and they were getting it, at least so it appeared to me. Um, and I thought, I'm doomed. But I don't know what happened. I went home that night scared. I went to sleep and I woke up and I understood it. <laughs> I woke up and I got it. And part of it was I, I, I had this compelling need to get it. It really mattered to me. So, so that's one of the things that it starts off being, you need to be committed to being able to see the things you don't know that you don't know. You got to make a conscious choice that way. Now, in my case, the conscious choice was made from a fairly weak position. I was afraid to not get it. But I could have come from a much more powerful position of being excited to learn and where I was going to reach out for it. But, you know, get there whatever way you got to, right? <laughs> if, if you're being motivated by, by moving away from something, you know, I don't want to be the guy that doesn't understand this. Okay, use that. Better yet, though, if you could be excited about, I want to be the person that gets it. I, I want to I be, be a discoverer. I, I want to be an explorer. I, I want to learn things that nobody's even thought to learn before. And you have so many great examples in bioscience for this. You've had so many go before you. you you've, you've got great possibilities for heroes and mentors. You know, when I say heroes, I mean, you know, there might be some of the people that have made great discoveries, you know, Louis Pasteur and, you know, that ilk. But, you know, you can have mentors that are, that are right in your lab right now. They could be professors you've had in the past. They can be fellow students that, that you came up with that just, you know, really have the spark. So make use of those people to, to help you and... And so, you know, to do that, you got to commit to the idea that I am going to explore what I don't know I don't know. So the next point I, I want to make is beyond commitment is you got to trust. Trust that you're headed in the direction of new knowledge. 
Give yourself that opportunity. You don't have to even see any signs of it because that's kind of the point. How many times have you learned something where it just like it came to you in a flash or you had an, uh, an intuition or a hunch? These are not uncommon experiences. And yeah, are they, are they wholly rational? No, they're not. Well, guess what? We're not wholly rational. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating irrationality here, but I am pointing out that rationality is limited. It only takes you so far. So don't be afraid to go beyond rationality. Go a little further and trust that there's going to be something there to find. Now, I'm not saying that every time that you, you look under a rock, you're going to see something. That's not true. Um, but one thing, one thing that is going to happen is you keep looking under rocks, you're going to see things. So trust that there are things out there to, to learn and there are things out there that you will find. You know, that it's not just that they, it's possible that they're out there. You're, you're going you're gonna to run across them if you continue to make the effort. Uh, now, to power that, uh, that trust is to have curiosity. To have that, that curiosity is going to give you the energy to keep experiencing things that, that are out there and, and keep trying new things. And, and again, we can go all the way back to childhood. We've been doing this our whole lives. You wouldn't know how to do anything if you hadn't been curious about something. And I, I suspect that, that for, the, for the kind of folks that end up as PhD bioscientists, curiosity has probably been a regular part of your life up until now. You know, there are whole groups of other people that I would say, you know, you can't guarantee that curiosity is going to be much of a factor there. But I think with, with this crowd, yes, curiosity is pretty naturally there. So tap into that and expand on it. You already know how to do it, so be really good at it. And if you, if you don't think you're really good at it, get better at it. And it's just, it's a matter of practice. You know, put in your time and, and you'll be more curious. And just always be looking for one more thing. What else could I learn here? What else could I know here? You know, what else is possible? And then finally, um, another, another thing to consider is the idea of freedom. And that is that you're free to see things. You're free to learn things and experience new things. You're, you are free to experience something new and unexpected. I realize that it can be useful for things to be orderly, and in some cases, it's practically necessary. Um, and in some cases, for what you're doing, it's a, it's a matter of safety that things be reliable. But you know what? New and unexpected happens. Sometimes your entire experiment just dies. And, and wow, that's, that's horrible, right? Except there may be something really important to learn there. And... That, that gives you the opportunity then to see something you didn't know you didn't know. And it, I mean, I can't undervalue freedom. Be free in what you're doing because you're the ones on the cutting edge. For, for me sitting here behind my computer, I can't, I can't even see where you are. You talk about what I don't know, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know about what you guys are doing on a regular day daily basis. And it's fantastic that you're doing it. Otherwise, I'd have to do it. <laughs> and I just don't have time. I'm doing other things. <laughs>
But, you know, the same thing is happening here. You know, the things that we're talking about in this podcast, you probably don't have, in many cases, put a lot of thought into some of these things. Well, that's why we have this podcast, to introduce these things to you, to let you know about some things you don't know you don't know, because you may never never considered them before. And and for good reason. You, you've been busy with other things. So, this is this is my admission. <laughs> so, any further thoughts, Nick? Yeah, so I think if you just take it back to the level of just to, talking about, I mean, you can apply this to all different um this, this framework or this viewpoint to all different areas of your life, but just taking it into the area of your job as a scientific discoverer, if that's what you're, if you're, if you're a researcher at the moment. It, it just, again, this isn't, this is, uh, as you said, this is becoming a theme on this podcast. But for me, you're looking at these, uh, you know, fostering these qualities in yourself, commitment, trust, curiosity, and freedom to be open to explore what's happening in front of you rather than just assuming and being pathed. And in, in the context of discovery, that's, that's uh, you know, more, just, you know, it's a very important thing. For me, the pivots are curiosity and trust because what we often see or what I've often seen in science is this whole thing about chasing results, about going for a result you're tamping down the curiosity because you don't trust that the work you're doing is going to take you where you want it, where you want it to, and or where you need to get to to get to the next milestone, the next paper, or the next uh, funding, or, or, or whatever. Um, and so you you sacrifice curiosity and freedom uh, f- for the w- what feels like um, more security in terms of trying to get a, the result that you need. But if you can just open that up and be aware that although that you're try, you know, you would like a specific result to happen, if you can sit back and say, well, be open to another result, and and that that would just take you on a different path, then uh, that is much more pristine discovery um, than this kind of trying to force results out. Right, and this this takes us back to episodes one and two of this podcast. The, the first episode was talking about the human need of certainty, which may speak to a lot of y'all just automatically, like, yes, I love that. But the second human need was variety. And variety is the place where you get into these these unknowns. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You're an explorer, so explore. Don't try and, um, you know, make the paths before they're actually defined in front of you, even if you think they are. That's, right. that's the way that I and, and as you noted uh, a moment ago, Nick, too, this, this applies in your whole life. And I, I think back to something that's an example for me. I love sushi. But I, I'm, I'm a, a white boy from the Midwest. How would I have ever had sushi? Well, I, I moved to California, and I saw all these sushi restaurants around. And, and of course, of course, being... You know, a proud Wisconsin boy is like, what? Who would eat raw fish? That's crazy. Who would do such a thing? Well, so for years I didn't try it, and but I just kept seeing it and thinking, I, I gotta know. I gotta know. I got what? What is it that that it, it's so exciting to people? And I thought, well, I'm gonna go in one time. I'm gonna have a terrible experience. I'm gonna waste some money, and then I'll at least be able to say I know, and I won't care anymore. And I liked it. And then I thought, I want to bring my kids in. And the kids were little, you know, like like five, six years old. And I thought, oh, they're going to hate it. You know, 
my son sat at that sushi counter and he looked in at those fish and, you know, those things laying in the counter and he saw the octopus and it's basically a tentacle with suckers on it. And he's like, I want that. <laughs> he wasn't afraid to try something new. And I thought, man, if I had had this, that attitude five years earlier, I would have been enjoying sushi that much longer. So <laughs> this applies across, across the board in your life. Apply it in work for sure. But then, and spread it out in the rest of your life too. And you'll find it gets easier everywhere once you start implementing this curiosity and, and, and freedom in the world. Yeah, it's definitely interesting when you look at w what limitations you place on yourself by just assuming that you can't do this or that you are this or, or whatever. If you can dissolve that, then you can open some new uh, opportunities for yourself. That's right. Okay, yet another interesting and useful way to look at the world, Ken. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. <laughs> so if you enjoyed the episode today and you want more, uh, you know you can find more of this stuff at on Bitesize Bio at bitesizebio.com forward slash the happy scientist and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the happy scientist club. And Ken mentioned earlier uh, uh, the episodes one to two um, where we were talking about uh, human needs and so on. We, if you go back to episodes one to nine, in fact, contain a lot of foundational principles that if you haven't uh, listened to them already, it's worth going back and having a listen to those. And if you have listened to them, please uh, let us know what you thought by joining us on Facebook, The Happy Scientist Club, and, uh, and let us know what you thought. Let us know how you feel that applies to you or doesn't, and any questions that you might have that arise from that as well. So that just leaves us me to thank you again for a, another great episode, Ken. And thank you. thanks to everyone for listening in, and we'll see you again next time. The Happy Scientist is brought to you by Bite Size Bio, your mentor in the lab. Bite Size Bio features thousands of articles and webinars contributed by hundreds of PhD scientists and scientific companies who freely offer their hard-won wisdom and solutions to the Bite Size Bio community. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and want to keep learning practical tips on being a happy and successful scientist, don't wait any longer. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack today. And together, let's reignite that passion for science that first got you into the lab. Remember, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. So hit that subscribe button now and check the show notes to download.